0: Secret to Everything You are about to hear secrets Secrets about life Love Hidden mysteries Spirituality Frequency, energy healing, science, alternative health, money and abundance, and much, much more. Secrets that most others don't know. expressed on the secret to everything are not necessarily those of the host co-host or our guests all medical information discussed is for informational purposes only and not intended to diagnose or prescribe for any disease or condition please contact your medical doctor or qualified health practitioner if you have any further questions by listening to this show you have agreed to the terms and conditions outlined at drkimberlymcgeorge.com And as always, we thank you for listening to the show.
1: Welcome to The Secret to Everything. I am Dr. Kimberly McGeorge, and we are so happy you decided to spend this hour with us. I have, as usual, an amazing guest that I'm going to tease you with for a few minutes, and then we'll bring him on as soon as we possibly can. So this hour, we're going to be talking with Ron Melchior, and he is someone a little bit different. In fact, he's so different, he chose to live off the grid since 1980. I bet he has some amazing stories, and he has written a book that is called Off Grid and Free, My Path to the Wilderness. And of course, that is available on Amazon as well as Barnes & Noble. And like I said, we will be getting into hopefully some really great stories and practical tips as well with Ron in just a little bit. But I wanted to talk to you really quick about the energy right now. Um, To me, the two words that come to you when I think about the energy going on right now is a lack of motivation and a need for movement. People seem so overwhelmed by the current energy that they are literally kind of frozen in place. And so here we are, Already into the second month of the year, and we had all these great aspirations, and this year was going to be different, and you guys know how it goes, and, and here we kind of stand looking around, and some of us are in the same place we were last year, and we're kind of frozen. So have you lost your vision? Like I said, it's already February. We need to do something about this. What's this year looking like for you? If things are not going well, let's tweak that vision a little bit. It's okay to change what isn't working. The big topic this month in uh, the heavens, let's say, is all the eclipsing going on. So we've got a lunar eclipse, we've got a solar eclipse. What does that mean for you? Well, the positive part of that we'll get to in a minute, but we're going to start with the negative. The negative side of that is this is going to ask you this energy to let go of your stuff, your old way of doing things, your old way of thinking about things, your old relationship with yourself. And you may be tempted to go a little kind of wild and be like, I'm going to go into resistance in this energy and I'm going to go wild and crazy and I'm going to pretend I'm 16 and you and I know. That never ends well. So don't give in to any of those temptations to kind of go off and do wild, crazy kind of things. However, letting go is the theme. Not that kind of letting go. But letting go of all the things that you do not desire and inviting in and making room again for the magical creation that this year can continue to be. So stepping into kind of a new you in the new year. Stop trying to go back. Stop trying to retrace what worked last year because this is a totally different energy. Stop running back to your old relationships, your old way of thinking, your old way of doing things. Become very crystal clear on what you value and desire this year and chart a plan of action. And when I say taking action, I don't just mean thinking about taking action, I mean really move forward with some really practical ways of accomplishing what you desire. You're going to feel some resistance energy. And that's partly because we've got this huge thing you may have heard referred to as a cardinal cross. And that's just an icky, heavy, energy. The good news is by the time you listen to this program, most of that energy is going to be gone and there's going to be some really nice crystalline, very, very clear energy coming in to kind of shake things up. So if you can ride through this lower energy that's been going on the first half of this month, things are really going to lighten up as we head into the last two weeks of this month. And this energy that's coming in, the new energy, the good and positive energy, is actually a very different energy, and we haven't had it on the planet for a long time. So it may not feel entirely comfortable to you. Do not go into resistance in this energy. Rather, remember, use it to chart a new course, use it to step into those new places of you that need exploring. Are you ready to move on? If you're ready to move on, if you're ready to move forward, this is the energy that's going to support absolutely all of that. This is your chance to rewrite the script, not just of this year or this day or this moment, but really of your entire life this forward. So please take advantage of that. Basically, we're going into high-speed forward motion keep up or you're going to get left behind in the most positive of ways so stop getting pulled into all the chaos that's going around in the world that everyone else is experiencing stay out of this it's very very important the drama that everyone else is involved in will try to suck you in do not allow it to As always, this show is sponsored by thesecrettoeverything.com. We are currently offering a free chakra reading if you go to my website and you can check that out. So after this commercial break, we're going to be back with Ron Melchior and we're going to be talking about living off of the grid right here on The Secret to Everything with Dr. Kimberly McGeorge. Thank you so much for listening to The Secret to Everything. I am Dr. Kimberly McGeorge, and we are here to dig in with a wonderful and fascinating guest. And let me tell you just a little bit about him. So Ron has been an outdoorsman, a pioneer, a homesteader, a remote exploration camp manager, and of course, an author. He's been living off the grid since 1980. He and his wife, Johanna, have spent the better part of their lives unplugged. I like the sound of that. And as part of Back to the Land movement that originated in the 70s, they have spent their adult years living the homestead dream. I want to talk to him about this because I love what I'm going to say next. So Ron has also through-hiked all 2,100 miles of the Appalachian Trail in winter. Did you guys catch that? In winter, bicycled from coast to coast, survived forest fighters' encounters with bears, and much, much more. Like I said, his book is Off Grid and Free, My Path to the Wilderness, available at Amazon and Barnes & Noble. Welcome to The Secret to Everything, Ron.
2: Oh, Thank you very much, Dr. Kim. It's a pleasure to be here.
1: I am so impressed, and, of course, I live very close to um, the Appalachian Trail, so I am very well aware what a through-hiker means. But for those that um, aren't familiar with that term, um, why are we distinguishing through-hiking from what other kind of hiking is there?
2: Well, there's day trips, and uh, so through-hiking would be a really long, extended hike, I actually, uh, for the 2,100 miles, at, well, it's almost 2,200 miles, and uh, it took me five and a half months of walking, and it's, uh, I started at Springer Mountain, Georgia, and worked my way. There's 14 states that I had to tra- traverse, and I ended up in Maine at uh, Mount Katahdin.
1: Wow. Now, did you do that with your wife or with other hikers um, or by yourself? How did you um, take that journey?
2: Yeah. Now it was uh we started together with Joanna, Joanna and I and uh she went a couple 100 miles and then ran into some physical problems with her knees, her knees kind of gave out. So at that point, again this is winter time so there's very little competition for shelters and and uh, very little uh in the way of traffic on the trail. So I ended up doing the rest of the trail roughly 1900 miles alone.
1: Wow. That is so impressive. And it's funny because at first you said winter and I thought that's horrific, but really Mm -hmm. it's, you brought up a really great point. There is a lot of competition in some of the other seasons for, um, you know, a lot of things really. Um, And so I think that's kind of smart that you chose to do that in winter. Obviously you are very, very tough. So, Share with us kind of the beginning of your journey. You obviously haven't always lived off-grid, like your whole entire life. Um, what kind of was the, I, I guess, the tipping point where you said, okay, I'm done, and we're going to do something different?
2: Uh, sure. That's a, that's a really great point. And the question is, um, I have grew up just uh, in a traditional household, and uh, I took Uh, During my schooling days, I took industrial electronics as my career choice, and after I graduated high school, I went into the work field and uh, uh, worked at uh, several jobs in the electronics industry, and it wasn't too long, uh, maybe uh, three, four years, that I started the question, is this really all there is to life? There's got to be more to life than just working it away, making the uh, business owner Prosperous and um, getting up in the morning, going to work, and then coming home and just repeating that routine. So at some point, um, I started, I had a, a relatively young supervisor in the electronics uh, industry at uh, one job, and I was lamenting the fact there had to be more to life than just working it away. And he uh, suggested homesteading. And at that time, I I'd never heard the term. I was absolutely clueless. But once I realized uh, after some research what it meant, which was basically being self-reliant, self-sufficient, the little bell went off, and uh, I never looked back. It was just one of those things in life where a simple suggestion changed the, the entire course of my life.
1: That's really amazing. So that was kind of something that you didn't even know that you were going to resonate with, but you really fell in love with and took to that as a permanent lifestyle. So where are you living right now? And I think you told me that you're in the process of moving, but where? Let's say where have you been living? Let's go with that question for for the last. Sure.
2: Long. Sure. Well, w- one thing one thing I should point out is. Uh, we're talking over VoIP, which is voice over Internet, and we're actually bouncing a signal off a of satellite. So there's going to be a little bit of a slight delay. But uh, once I decided that I wanted the homestead and the decision was made, I uh, immediately started looking for land. And I ended up in northern Maine, and I spent 20 years in northern Maine learning the ropes and uh, getting gaining confidence in my abilities and stuff. And um, I, I heard the, uh, the call of the wilderness. So right now, for the last 17 years, we've lived out in the Canadian wilderness on a remote lake. We're alone out here. There are uh, no roads, no trails to get to us. Animals are the only neighbors that we have. And float plane is the only way to, to be able to reach us. Twice a year we go out and we fly out uh, for resupply, we, and that's the only time that we shop and uh, fetch our mail, uh, do take care of appointments, and uh, uh, interact with other human beings. So basically twice a year we see people um, only when we fly out for resupply.
1: All I have to say is um, you must both be pretty amazing people because you guys are each other's, you know, basically, like you said, you know, sole source of companionship. So I think that would either really Mm -hmm. drive you close or I guess it could probably drive Mm -hmm. you crazy and apart, you know, (laughs) as well. So both of you must be pretty, pretty fascinating um, people. Gosh, I have so much I want to ask you. So. Some people may not be familiar with the term off-grid, so they may at this point be thinking, oh, that's nice. You know, there's no roads, but, I'm, you know, I'm sure he has electricity, and, and I'm sure he has all the – they're probably picturing kind of a luxury little cabin in the wilderness. Is that how it is? Mm-hmm.
2: Well, it is, actually. It's a, uh, a two-story home. I'm sitting uh, at the picture window right now. I'm overlooking a, uh, a frozen, white, snow-covered lake. And we have all the amenities that a a typical house would have. You'd never know that you're 100 miles out in the wilderness. Off-grid, we're well away from any power lines. We're also well away from any cell phone towers. So cell phone would never work out here. So when I say off-grid, we produce our own power. We've got solar panels on the roof we've got a wind turbine that's turning right now out uh, behind the house and we take all that energy from the sun and the wind and we make it ma- turn it into power for our, for our needs so um that's that's the off-grid life and we've uh, been doing that uh, for 37 years we've improved the course over time but and we've learned uh certain tricks and things to uh to incorporate but uh that's our life for the last 37 years when i say we've been disconnected and off grid
1: wow so who did you build your own house or how did you build your house
2: i did i did when we uh when i went to maine first i researched i had no idea of building i never built anything before but i did the homework i hit the uh, the library and learned how the the basics of Construction. I built the the house with the help of a little uh, some friends occasionally, and my parents came up. So that's how the house in Maine was built. And then uh, when we moved out here 17 years ago, everything. Keep in mind, everything had to be flown in. We're the only way to find us is to uh, hire a float plane. So everything. It was a logistical nightmare to have to assemble all the stuff at the float plane base, load the plane, fly it out here, offload it, haul it all up to the uh, to the house site, and then build. So uh, Joanna and I did most of the building. My brother came up for, geez, I think uh, two to three weeks, and uh, there was some muscle and, and some good help. And my parents came up uh, for a little spell, and uh, we did a lot of visiting, but they, they helped a little bit too. So uh, that's how we built the house.
1: That sounds like a little at a time. Very challenging when you have to get all that material up there. So do you have, what kind of pets do you have? Do you guys have um, domesticated animals then for pets?
2: We we don't. We don't here, but we did. We had a dog and cat in Maine. It just doesn't make uh, sense to have animals and, and pets out here uh, for a number of reasons. We've got to fly the food in. So if we had a dog, mm-hmm. we'd have to fly dog food in. Um, we would not experience the kind of wildlife that we would, we've seen here. If we had a dog outside that was constantly chasing That's off fine. stuff, we've had some amazing yeah. w- wilderness and wildlife experiences. So, and then, uh, you know, we've got bear and, and things that may even prey on the dog or cat. So it it's just easier not to have to worry about all that, uh, those things.
1: Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So are you a hunter? Do you actually go out and trap or um, hunt for your own food? And do you guys grow um, in greenhouses or in gardens? Do you grow your own food? Tell me a little bit about that.
2: I'm not a hunter or trapper. I'm not opposed to it. When we were in Maine, we grew... Um, all of our garden needs. We had a big garden and grew all our vegetable needs. When we were in Maine, we had uh, a cow, we had pigs, we had chickens and turkey. So we did all the the raising of livestock. We did our own butchering and slaughtering and and, uh, processing of the meat. We we cut the carcass up and uh, cut and wrapped. We can do the smoking of bacon and hams and the curing. So we know all that stuff. We've done it in Maine. But... Uh, being out here in the wilderness, again, it's, it doesn't make sense to fly in animals and animal feed and have mm-hmm. to worry about uh, predators and stuff. So what we've done is we've taken we, – we've got all this knowledge, and what we do is we fly in every couple years a side of beef and a whole frozen pig. And then we still do our own cutting and wrapping uh, process. Uh, the hams and bacon, we cure them, uh, smoke, make sausages. And we've got it down to the point uh, that all the fat is rendered and we even make most of our own soap.
1: Wow. It still sounds like a a lot of work, but that's really smart. That makes sense that you guys uh, do it like that. So do you also fly in your um, vegetables and fruits then instead of growing a lot? You know, I know you said you did it in Maine, but where you are now, do you also um, fly in like your fresh foods?
2: Uh, no, we don't. Actually, very little is flown in as far as vegetables and fruit. We've got uh, south-facing greenhouse on the house, so we can get a jump uh, in early spring, long before the snow is off the ground. We've got our first salad fixings. We've got a big uh, garden out behind the house that uh, Joanna, that's her territory. She grows all all kinds of stuff. Um, we've got even though we're 56 degrees north in latitude and in a very cold climate, we've got it down to the, to uh, a science that we can even grow corn here. And then uh, I'm kind of responsible for the orchard and the uh, there's an asparagus and and berry patch, so that's my my domain. So we we do grow just about all of our vegetable and fruit needs.
1: Yeah, sounds like you've got that covered. We're going to be back and we're going to ask Ron about Mm -hmm. some wild animal encounters right here on The Secret to Everything with Dr. Kimberly McGeorge. You are listening to The Secret to Everything with Dr. Kimberly McGeorge, and I am here with Ron Melcor and he is an outdoorsman and a pioneer, and we are talking about homesteading both in the Maine and in the Canadian wilderness, and I did a little bit of a teaser. I have a sneaking suspicion, well, partly because I read one of the chapters of Ron's book, which I highly recommend, very entertaining, but I have a sneaking suspicion, Ron, that you have many Um, interesting wildlife and animal encounters you could tell us about. So if you'd like to share maybe some of the more um, interesting, funny, dramatic ones, that'd be great.
2: Oh, sure. Thank you. Uh, I do. it's living out here has given us the opportunity to experience some of the most amazing wildlife. Uh, uh, There's a number of things that come to mind. I'll, um, I guess the, the first thing that comes to mind is I'll just read the first uh, couple uh, lines from, from the book, the first chapter. There's a bear at the door, shouted my wife Joanna. She had gone downstairs to fetch a book, and had heard a strange noise at the front door. Looking over, she was startled to see a pair of large paws groping at the door window pane, the claws making telltale click-click sounds on the glass. So that gives you some sense of... Uh, That's how I start the book, and um, we've had numerous bear encounters, so that's one bear encounter. I can tell you briefly that um, a few summers ago, we were sound asleep. Joanna thought that she heard something behind the house, so she got up and looked out the window and whispered over to me that there's a bear outside, and she started to close the window, and it squeaked. The bear immediately ran around to the window and is clawing frantically at the window. It wants to get in in the worst way, and there was no. She's face to face. I mean, literally two feet apart between the the bear and her face. The window separating separating them, and she's yelling and banging. There's nothing that we can do to discourage that. So I shot out of bed and uh, <laughs> I added my voice to all the uh, the chorus of banging and, and shouting to try and get this thing to, to stop trying to get into the house. So it uh, I ultimately ended up getting dressed. And uh, by the time I was able to get outside, it was just trash in our, our greenhouse. And uh, mm. so I managed to—we've uh, got the shotgun, and fortunately I was able to scare it off but before it really did a lot of damage. But that bear was in pure predator mode, and it wanted to get in the house in the worst way, and there was nothing that was going to discourage him. So— that's one bear uh, experience. Um, I'll let the, the readers, uh, anybody wants to read the, the book, there was a time that I was actually physically touched by a bear, which wow. is uh, an interesting story in itself. And I guess the only other quick story is uh, birds and I get along very well, and there's many ex- experiences, wonderful uh, experiences that I've had with birds. One that comes to mind real quick I uh, saw a flock of pine grosbeaks out here one one year. I went out in a chair. I popped the chair out, put some uh, feed in my hand, and not too long after, one brave grosbeak came to my hand, started feeding. The next thing I know, the rest of the flock is in my lap and at my feet. I mean, they're just going after all this uh, bird feed. So just imagine... Being in a, experiencing a place where you can just go outside, sit in a chair, and the birds are comfortable enough that they'll, and brave enough that uh, they're feeding out of your hand. So it's just a wonderful uh, opportunity.
1: It sounds like you're so connected with nature. And that's a similar experience to, um, that many people report or write books about when they do do uh, any kind of hiking, really. But, you know, hiking the Appalachian Trail. And for some reason, I have this really weird, and I'm not sure it's that weird, um, addiction. I love reading about people going on long, excruciating hikes. There's just something really Mm -hmm. fascinating about, you'd think it would be really boring, but just the rhythm of it, it's almost like you kind of go along with them. So could you share any, you know, stories or interesting people that you met or experiences that you had while you were hiking the appalachian trail
2: yeah there's uh, a number of uh, interesting experiences i had and uh, and people i met now again uh, because i was doing this in the winter time there was very little traffic so it was maybe a little bit no- more noteworthy when i did come across people and maybe it brought out uh, some of the <laughs> Uh, more odder, more unique uh, individuals. But um, I remember in New York somewhere, um, I was hiking and I came across, I believe, two or three guys. And they stopped me and asked me uh, where I was going and how far I was going. And I told them I was going to Maine. And this is in New York now. Um, so they, one of them had no idea what what trail they had stumbled on, or where where Maine was in in actuality. So the one said, "So, so what's that about uh, three days? Uh, or you know, forget what I believe it was three days hiking. So what's that about three days hike?" And uh, you know, I've got, still got uh, maybe two months of uh, hiking yet to get up to Maine. So it was obvious that uh, they it just weren't Uh, geography-savvy. There was another uh, person I came across who was lugging uh, i forget a a tremendous amount of weight. I forget. uh, He was proud to uh, claim he was carrying all this kind of weight, and he had the mileage that he was doing down to hundredths of a mile that he was doing. So uh, can you imagine the long-distance hiker keeping track of the hundredths of a mile, not just miles? So he was uh, he was interesting too so there there were some characters uh, and it, it, that's what makes the experience and that that makes uh, memories
1: yeah really the people that you meet and i think probably mm-hmm. the um realizations that you yourself you know have about yourself as you interact with the trail which i know can be a beast and it's so funny we actually um went up to a place um I lived outside of Asheville, North Carolina, and we um, kind
3: of sat
1: for a while at um, uh, Max Patch and, um, you know, talked to the hikers as they came through there, which, of course, is a beautiful place. You can see four four or five states and um, just so interesting watching. It's really a parade of humanity, you know, people that you would never imagine would hike Um, Of course, this was in the summer, so a little more busy, but, you know, a lot of young people, but a lot of older people and a lot of single people and a lot of married people. The other thing Mm -hmm. we really didn't see, and this is something I'm curious about, I have heard that children do hike sections of the trail, but I've never seen any um, pass through. Did you meet any children on the trail?
2: Um no I I nothing comes to memory and remind uh, right off the top but uh certainly you know teenagers was not uncommon uh so anything from teenage on up but you're right it is a study in humanity to uh, especially if you can sit there and just watch the the people pour by and it's a reflection of society I think as far as the the range and the diversity of people that are out there on the trail
1: and I have to tell you, it's refreshing that people still hike to me because we're such a, you know, techno- technological age. And, the, you know, the kids are playing so much Xbox and they're all into their phones. Mm-hmm. And so it's so nice that hiking is actually still a thing. You know, I think it's great. Mm-hmm. Um, so mm-hmm. do you and Joanna, and and maybe, you know, I'd love to talk to her sometime, but do you guys ever get lonely to, like, sit around with another couple and play board games, or or do you prefer being away from civilization? Do you miss it, or do you kind of really embrace it?
2: We embrace being out here alone, and it's not because we're antisocial. I mean, we're, we're happy to talk to people. We're happy to peck out emails back and forth uh, and and stay in touch with everybody, but we don't feel that need to be surrounded by people. We're comfortable being on our own. And, um, it, it's, we just have, uh, an overwhelming sense of peace when we're out here. It's, it's, it's kind of a unique, uh, life, but the gist of it is no, we never get lonely out here. It's, we're, we're quite content to be out here on our own.
1: Hmm. That's such an unusual word that you don't hear very often. You don't hear very often the word content. And instead of being content with more, in a lot of ways, you guys are content You you actually do have the more, but it appears materialistically uh, you have the less, but really, you know, you do have Mm -hmm. amazing connection. You know, that a lot of us don't have any connection to like nature and like you said, the animals and different things like that. So what other dangers are Mm -hmm. there when you live out in the middle of the wilderness? Are there fires? Is there bad storms? Tell me about that.
2: Well, living out here requires us to be responsible for ourselves. And so there have been fires. There have been some medical things, issues that have come up. So um, we kind of have thought ahead. We've tried to prepare as best as possible for all possible outcomes and scenarios. So we have had set, numerous far, forest fires over the years Two. That uh, really came within ninety feet of burning the house down. Um, over two, uh, one was two thousand two, one was uh, twenty ten, and they were uh, sights to behold. Uh, it's a, it's hard to explain. It's hard to fathom how brutal a forest fire can be. But there was one time in two thousand two, I was out here alone. Joanna had been evacuated, and. Four miles to the south, at the end of the lake, one afternoon, all I could see was a wall of flames coming, and I heard the uh, freight train. It sounds like a freight train coming. So, I wrote some last words, stuffed it into a uh, into the stove, hit the uh, got into the boat, and headed towards the uh, the fire forest fire. And for the next, uh, I don't know what it was. Uh, that was probably five o'clock in the afternoon, and I didn't get home till about three in the morning to. So all that time I was either in the lake, in the boat, or on an island trying to survive this thing, and even islands burned that night. So between the two fires, the, just those two fires, about three-quarters of a million acres burned around here. So there they were sights to behold and quite the experience. Uh, as far as medical emergencies and things, we've been very fortunate that we haven't had any real emergencies. We've gotten uh, some infections and things like that, but we have— antibiotics and we've got uh things that in our medicine ch- chest that uh gives us the opportunity and a chance to at least survive it without having to resort to calling a plane and now keep in mind because we are accessible only by plane the planes fly on visual flight rules so if it's bad weather we're on our own if it's uh in the springtime when the lake is is stalling we're on our own and the same with when the the lake is freezing up in the in the winter time in the fall. So there's certain times of the year where we truly are on our own, and even uh, help is going to be tough to get in here.
1: Oh my goodness! It, it, it just that image of that fire and no fire checks and no firemen, and obviously using your head helped. You know, seeking water and like mm-hmm. you said, even then you said islands burn and. Um, your house could have burned and you had no control. So really you were at the mercy. Talk about the mercy of the wilderness. You were absolutely at the mercy of the wilderness. So we're going to head to a commercial break in a couple minutes, but when we come back, we're going to continue talking to Ron. He is the author of Off Grid and Free, My Path to Little Wilderness, available at Amazon. Anne Barnes and Noble and we're going to find out what motivated Ron to write this book when we come back right here on The Secret to Everything with Dr. Kimberly McGeorge. Wouldn't you love to know the secret to everything? I'm Dr. Kimberly McGeorge, and on The Secret to Everything, we will merge the practical with open investigation into all realms of the mysterious. We will talk to cutting-edge alternative health practitioners, those who inspire and motivate you in business and life. And of course, we will share stories of the paranormal, conspiracy, and cryptozoology. You will transform because of the frequency I carry, the frequencies my guests carry. Life may never be the same after you listen to this program, for the secret to everything is for you, the listener, for those who desire more in every area of their lives and believe that it can still be found. Listen and discover thesecrettoeverything.com secret
3: You're listening to the X-Zone Broadcast Network, www.xzbn.net.
1: Welcome back to The Secret to Everything with Dr. Kimberly McGeorge. And we are wrapping up a very warm and wonderful conversation with Ron Melchor. And he is an outdoorsman, pioneer, homesteader, remote exploration camp manager, and last but not least, the author of the book, Off Grid and Free My Path, to the wilderness, and speaking of your book, Ron, what motivated you? And it's so funny because part of me says, well, you have plenty of time to write a book, and part of me thinks you probably have no time to write a book. But what um, motivated you to um, write down some of your adventures in this book?
2: Yeah, sure. Um, The the motivation was... um, In all honesty, I've never thought of our life as anything really out of the ordinary. But when I relate the stories of a forest fire to somebody or I tell them uh, some of these animal stories, whether it's family, friends, complete strangers, invariably, everybody suggests, why don't you write a book? You should write a book. And I heard that for year after year after year And kind of poo-pooed it. I mean, it just, I didn't think anybody would really be interested in it. But I heard heard it enough times that I decided, okay, I'll start to jot down some some stories, some things that I can remember. And before long, I had 18 chapters. And I uh, was fortunate enough to find a publisher. And it's a five-star rated book on Amazon. I'm just totally blown away that people there's so many wonderful reviews that people have written for us so it's obviously going over very well and I'm just very grateful that uh, people find our, our life story that interesting so that's that's been really the motivation why I wrote it.
1: Well and you're being a little modest because it's you know there's books that are just books and it's a well written entertaining you know book so I really encourage you guys to check it out. So let's say, what would your advice be to, let's call them a virgin homesteader or uh, someone mm-hmm. who's like, oh, yeah, that sounds like so much fun. What is the first step if someone is considering moving out of their, you know, middle class suburban lifestyle and moving, whether it's to Maine, which is kind of a, a step wilderness or to complete wilderness like where you are now, what would you recommend?
2: hmm well, I certainly wouldn't recommend anybody moving to the wilderness right out of the gate. Um, take mm-hmm. it slow. Uh, talk to uh, experienced people, people who have actually been off-grid for a little while. Hit the books. There's lots of books out there. Gather as much information as you can so you can make an in- informed decision, and then take it slow. Start out, uh, you know, you don't need, even need to, to move off-grid the The ultimate goal is to be self-reliant, to be a little bit more self-sufficient, and you can start out with the garden, and uh, canning, and then over time, as you get experience and more confidence, just uh, maybe add some solar panels, or you do some, you know, uh, you raise some of your own animals and start with chickens, or the small easiest uh, thing, and then work your way up. So that would be my advice for anybody who wants to go off-grid. Start it slow learn from books and and talk to people. And and there's always people out there willing to help out and and give counsel.
1: I think you brought up a really great point, which is we don't have to necessarily move out of our homes or, you know, our middle-class neighborhoods. You know, we can start by, and I'm really encouraging people to do this too. I love that you brought that up. It's such a great point that we can start by growing our own food. What a concept Or, you know, setting up a neighborhood co-op and coming together. And I really like the concept of going back to um, local, you know, eating and eating what's fresh and what's available in your region that you live in. I really, really love that. A lot of places where I live in Winston-Salem, North Carolina and around here are very much into kind of the farm to table and the organic and the sustainable um, locally grown movement. And I absolutely love that And um, it's been, I find it very rewarding not just to grow my own food, but I think it's also fun to play with it. And um, I'm an herbalist and a naturopathic doctor, so I grow Mm -hmm. my own medicine. And there is nothing more rewarding, both in you and you know this, walking out and, you know, holding a tomato in your hands or anything, green beans or whatever you're growing. And, and know that that's something that, you know, you've invested the time and energy in and you've worked with the soil to reduce, but it's also really beautiful to grow and learn how to make your own medicines as well. And, and you can do that anywhere. You can do that downtown Chicago. You can do container gardening on a balcony. It's possible. So um, I really love that you said that. There's books and so much information available on the internet. I know that I believe you're available on social media. Don't you have some social media, Ron, that you're available on that possibly people could interact with you or get a hold of you on that as well?
2: For sure. And I'm always happy to talk to people, but we're on Pinterest. I've got a Facebook page. Um, I've got my own uh, website now and I'm actually doing blog posts and I'm trying to write these blogs for the beginner there's going to be a lot of information for experienced people as well but i'm trying to take people the the beginning homesteader or someone that's considering doing it and i'm trying to walk them through step by step here's what you want to look for and land here's here's some considerations things that you want to do and and search out so i'm trying uh, so uh the the website is the way i'm trying to do that and um uh, I've got a lot of, well, maybe a half dozen YouTube videos, so people are welcome to just uh, search out my name, go for the, uh, and look up uh, YouTubes, and there's a couple of really interesting videos that will at least give them a, a better sense of our life out here.
1: Well, I'm going to have to look those up. That's really interesting. So what's next for Ron and Joanna? Where are you guys going to live in the wilderness for the next hundred years, or what are what are your plans? <laughs>
2: No, everything—all good things come to an end. And this April, we're actually going to be moving. We, uh, we've got one last adventure in life before we hit the checkout counter, and that's to uh, move to Nova Scotia. And we're going to create another off-grid homestead on the ocean or right handy to the ocean. It's always been a, the ocean has always been a source of fascination uh, for us. Um, so that's going to be the last big thing in our life is to have a homestead on the ocean.
1: I think that's really neat that you guys are kind of mixing it up and twisting it, you know, a little bit and saying, okay, let's see, let's see how this works. Mm -hmm. And, um, at the same time, sounds like, you know, possibly a dream of both of yours. So, um, do you have Mm -hmm. any final thoughts for the audience, um, does it take a certain type of person to be a homesteader? Can anyone do it? Is there certain character qualities we should be developing? Is it the sense of adventure? Is it patience? Is it knowing yourself? Kind of help us out. Is this for everybody or is it just for some people? No,
2: this this lifestyle is for everybody as far as off-grid and homesteading and, and Having the goal of being self-sufficient, self-reliant, that's for anybody. Anybody can do that. Uh, It takes a little bit more of a personality, perhaps, to live as remote as we do. Very few people would be happy out here. So uh, as far as um, somebody in a city or a town, just as I mentioned earlier, start out slow. There's nothing... uh, Personality-wise, it would be needed or special um, to be self-reliant. It's just a, a matter of being open and having uh, the willingness to learn. And if, if you're willing to suck up knowledge like a vacuum cleaner, you'll be just fine. The last uh, few things I noted when you were first talking uh, about the energy and stuff, and you were suggesting that perhaps it's ready for people to to make a change or ready to to move on. Mm. The last thing that's really important to me is really the reason I wrote wrote this book. I hope that my life story gives some confidence, provides a little bit of encouragement, maybe a little bit of inspiration for others to follow their dreams. Life is short. If you've got the opportunity, if you've got something in your life that you want to do, don't wait. Take take the uh, the ball and run with it. Seize the opportunity. And uh, that's that's really my message in the book. Is uh, I hope people will take that to heart.
1: Mm, that's so rich, and I love that. And I thank you so much, you and your uh, dear wife, for modeling you know that sense of adventure and that pioneering spirit. And I know you guys have certainly both in many, many ways reap the benefit of that. And thank you for writing that book and sharing that, you know, with people all over the world. So one more time, I've told them a couple of times, but tell us how we can get your mm-hmm. book and where we can find you on social media and then the name of your website, if you would.
2: Sure. So, uh, well, first, uh, thank you so much. You, you've, you've done a wonderful job of, of chatting with me and I appreciate that. So thank you. Um, my book is off grid and free. My Path to the Wilderness. It's available on Amazon and Barnes and Noble. Uh, it's also in a uh, audio version, so people can read it. Uh, print version, ebook, or audio. Uh, social media. I'm on Pinterest, YouTube, Facebook, and I've got my own website inthewilderness.net. All one word: inthewilderness.net. And I'd be happy to talk to anybody that uh, has an interest in in learning more about off-grid, homesteading, or really anything.
1: Absolutely love it. Well, thank you so much for your willingness to do that and for being on The Secret to Everything. And uh, many blessings to you and your wife as you get ready for this next adventure in your lives.
2: Thank you so much, Dr. Kim.
1: All right, you guys, we will have many, many more fascinating guests. Be sure to check out Ron's book, like you said, very available. And if you um, Google his name, he is very available to be found. Check out his YouTube videos as well. We will be talking to Psychic Danielle Agnew on our next episode. And I am Dr. Kimberly McGeorge. This show is sponsored by TheSecretToEverything.com. And we will see you again on the next episode of the secret to everything,